Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topic and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. Today, we're interviewing the Regional Director of the Small Business Development Center at Opus College of Business, University of St. Thomas. But before we get to her story, I'd like to tell you about my business transition readiness program for business owners. Do you know what it means to be transition ready? Does the thought of your future business exit bring on feelings of anxiety? If so, you are not alone. In the Business Transition Readiness Program, you'll find the answers to these questions and many more. According to award-winning certified exit planner Julie Keys, it takes at least five years to prepare an owner and a business for a future exit. The Business Transition Readiness Program will help you unpack the complexities of exit and transition planning, shed light on the unknowns, and help prepare you and your business to exit on your own terms and not someone else's. You can get more info and register for upcoming programs at poisedforexit.com. Just click on Owner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Diane Patterson, who is the Regional Director of the Small Business Development Center, Opus College of Business at the University of St. Thomas. Diane, welcome to Poised for Exit. I'm so glad that you could make it today. Thank you so much, Julie. I'm really honored to be here. Awesome. We met a couple years ago when you were going through your, the SEPA program, uh, obtaining your Certified Exit Planning Advisor credential. Yes. And I was so excited when I looked at the roster. I remember that because I, we don't very often have people from Minnesota that actually come through the SEPA program. So when I saw you were on there, I was like, yay, somebody from Minnesota. I'd like to have you talk about how you're using your SEPA designation um, through SBDC. But before we get to that, I'd like to have you just talk a little bit about yourself and um, share about how you got started, like how your career took its direction. Sure. In my first life, I was a tax attorney, (laughs) Um, but tax season was pretty brutal on the work-home-life balance Mm. because I am also a mom of eight. Mm. So I left tax law and started my own business, which I had for 13 years, Mm. After I sold the business at the end of 2004, I took a little time off with my youngest, having never been a stay-at-home mom. Mm. But I got recruited by an economic development organization called Women Venture. And I ran the business side of Women Venture and their loan fund. I was there for for four to five years. And I was recruited to the University of Minnesota to run their small business development program and met up with my original boss at St. Thomas, uh, who hired me away from the U of M, and I have been with the University of St. Thomas for six and a half years. But while I was at Women Venture and the University of Minnesota and the University of St. Thomas, I've had the pleasure of working with thousands of businesses in all phases of business, from pre-venture to startup to growth initiatives, as well as turnarounds. Amazing. That is an amazing background. Have you ever thought about writing a book? You know, maybe when my youngest children are out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) 
You would have so many stories to share. I, I, I would think that, that um, it could be a bestseller. So keep that in your back pocket. I don't know. I was just inspired to ask you that. Thank you. You're, you're working with a lot of privately held companies, and we've seen the impact uh, in many ways of the pandemic since its onset. And I don't like to talk about that too much, but that at the same time, it's like, well, we're all living it, so it's probably okay to bring it up once in a while. And today we're going to talk about it because of the fact that both of us are working with privately held companies on a regular basis every single day. I'd like to just hear from you, Diane, about what you're seeing and witnessing um, with the small businesses that you're advising, especially when it comes to the customer impact. Sure. You know, when the pandemic first, you know, began, there was a lot of panic and a lot of confusion regarding relief fund. So the governments were really quick in getting relief funds available, but because they launched so quickly, there was a lot of confusion. So the SBDC worked really closely with a lot of these businesses. I think last I checked, we worked with 111 businesses uh, helping them get through the emergency funding that was available federally, state, and local. Wow, that's... That's and amazing. so, you know, many were, were applying for the emergency injury uh, loans, the EIDL loans, as well as the payroll protection plan mm. loans, which were forgivable. Some of that money was considered grant money, and some of it was more loan money. Of the loan money, some is forgivable and some is not. Right. Once all of those funds were disseminated, a lot of the existing businesses really hunkered down. Um, so we weren't hearing from them as frequently. What we're finding at the SBDC, and I, I noticed this when we were in the recession in 2009, is that a lot of people have been laid off or furloughed, and mm -hmm. they're looking at self-employment as possible job security. So even in this time of challenges, especially for small businesses, I have been really surprised at the number of startup applications that we've been receiving. You're right. I remember that too. It, it seemed like 2009 was the year of consultants. <laughs> Absolutely. It was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and is that so when you say that you're seeing a lot of startups, what kind of applications are coming through? What kind of companies? Some of them are actually surprising. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about how challenged childcare businesses are, and mm. yet I have received at least five applications for startup childcare centers. Wow, um, which is surprising. I've had several um, event planning businesses, which I thought was, you know, interesting at this time. Um, we're also seeing elderly care businesses sure. and services. We're seeing a great deal of that, which isn't surprising if uh, people are choosing not to go to the larger assisted living centers, which have been so decimated by the pandemic. Yeah. So when you say um, elder care, are you talking about like home health services companies or... Primarily, although I have received a couple applications from individuals who want to start a facility of their own. Okay, interesting. And so when you say applications, what does that look like? So when somebody wants to receive services from the SBDC, they must apply online. 
Um, that way they become an SBDC client, which is particularly important not only for data collection, but we are funded by the Small Business Administration. Right. 50% of our funding is from the University of St. Thomas, and 50% of our funding is from the SBA. The SBA mm -hmm. wants to be able to track these clients, but they also sign a Form 641 that is a form that keeps the SBDC from liability. Um, mm. But with that funding structure, it enables the SBDCs to hire professional consultants in a variety of different expertise, and we pay them. It's not voluntary base. And so with that federal funding, we can hire these consultants who provide these services at no cost to the entrepreneur. Excellent. What kind of services are you providing, or what are you seeing happening most? Like, which way do they go? Prior to the pandemic, we were doing a lot of buy, sell, and merger and acquisition. Mm. Um, now we're seeing a lot of startup, which uh, we haven't had that um, in, the, in the past couple years. Mm -hmm. So we offer anything from merger and acquisition and buy, sell. Uh, we also offer loan packaging. Um, we offer a variety of social media marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. And, and website SEO. We also provide leadership um, and professional development for those that are in leadership positions in their small business, as well as business plan, you know, writing, you know, the real basic foundational mm -hmm. um, services. And then we provide a course for those that are pre-venture called Smart Start for Business. And that is now available online. It, it launched on November 11th. And you mm -hmm. can also find that course on the St. Thomas website under the SBDC. And that's a five-hour comprehensive course that, that covers legal form of business, tax implications, risk management, financial management, as well as marketing strategies and funding strategies. Is that something that you're teaching yourself? Yes, I used to teach it live yeah, once a month, I and so. <laughs> now um, we have it online uh, on demand, so you can take it whenever you want, uh -huh. and we increased the uh, curriculum from a three-hour course to a five-hour course, so it covers quite a bit of material. Wow. So did they? Uh, how long did it take you to videotape that? We videotaped um, just over the course of a day. Um, but they have incorporated animation, so I have an animation figure that's supposed to look <laughs> like me, which is really silly, um, and then a lot of content, and it is also a very interactive course, so Excellent. that when you're done with the five hours, you literally have parts of your business plan completed. Excellent. Just setting people up to succeed right away. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So... What does SBDC have um, for programming for existing businesses? Do you have some programs that you'd recommend, especially now? Mostly we've been doing the one-on-one -on -one consulting. Got All it. of my staff are very well-versed in CARES Act funding and SBA funding, um, as well as funding on the state level, which we're going to be watching particularly closely now that uh, Governor Walls announced that there, are, there will be more CARES Act um, emergency funding coming along mm -hmm. uh, to help these businesses with the second shutdown. 
Yeah, especially the hospitality industry. We have to do what we can to help those folks, right? Absolutely. And, you know, Mm. and everybody can do their part. I mean, you can still do curbside and still Mm. buy gift certificates. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, when we talk about the companies that are facing the issues that they're facing, uh, let's look at that from a financial perspective. And have you been hearing about businesses um, uh, having their lines of credit called or their loans called by the banks at all? I mean, are we getting to a point where it's it's getting to be that desperate for them? No, I haven't heard of of that from a banking standpoint. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge that I'm hearing from existing businesses is that they're uh, accounts receivable are getting more and more difficult to collect. Yes. And so, you know, those the ellip- elliptical cash cycle mm-hmm. is getting more elongated because sure. they just are having a difficult time collecting mm. from those they have invoiced. So do you have recommendations that you make when clients call you and they say, I've, you know, my AR is really growing and I've got to try to collect some of this because they just obviously can't afford to be a bank? Right. 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 Um, In some instances, I've counseled, you know, maybe you should offer some of your customers a break if they could pay at least a portion of what they owe so mm -hmm. that you get cash in the door. You know, understanding that everybody's in the same place. Yes. And so having a bit of empathy, but yes, you're not a bank, so that is not your role. Mm -hmm. But if you could compromise and maybe take some of the bill down... Uh, in exchange for payment sooner than later mm-hmm. has been a a, a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything that they can do to try to generate some cash. That and cost savings. So yes. see if you can get to the table with your landlord and renegotiate your lease at least, you know, through June 1 of, of 2021. Uh, when we have a better feel. When the pandemic first came about, we were counseling businesses to renegotiate their leases through the end of the year. I don't think we're out of the woods yet, so I would go back and see if you can renegotiate. The The landlord or the biz- building owners do not want vacancies because they're not going to fill them. Mm-hmm. So in order to maintain your long-term uh, tenants, it's in the best interest of everybody to come to the table and renegotiate the level of that rent or lease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully the the property owners are willing to do that or continue to willing to do that. Um, so I was thinking about you know the fact that you are a certified exit planner like me. How are you using that in the services that you provide and the clients that you work with right now? Well, right now, um, exit your business is going to be particularly difficult. Right. Um, So we're counseling businesses to just look ahead. But COVID and how it impacted your financial statements is going to be big. And that's going to be a pointed question uh, presented to you by potential buyers and maybe even the potential buyer's bank. So I'm really encouraging businesses to collect your data now. Collect your data on if you had to max out your line of credit and why. Collect your data on did you lose customers? Did your AR spread out you know, into the future? Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any major order cancellations? All of this information is going to 
better equipped the business owner today for a future explanation when they do have the opportunity to exit their business. Right. Because if you just have these financials that you present to a potential buyer, but not a detailed story about them, you're not going to be in as good of a position to ask the price that you desire for your business. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, if they're planning to sell in a few years, looking back, it's going to be harder for them to remember what happened. Absolutely. I think for many of us, Mm -hmm. this pandemic period is going to become a blur. Right. Yeah. Well, our our brains do that, Mm -hmm. right? When we've been through some trauma, a lot of times it's hard for us to really recall what actually happened and how bad it was. Right. (laughs) Like giving childbirth, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and and maybe maybe your capacity shrunk because you Mm -hmm. furloughed or laid off some employees. Mm -hmm. Another struggle that I'm hearing from existing businesses is that they furloughed or laid off employees and now they can't get them back. Right. I know. And if you do rehire, that's great. But the new hires require training. And that's taking a lot of time and energy to get this newly developed staff or team up to speed. So what are you seeing in terms of why people aren't getting their people back? Is it because they went and found another job? Is it because they decided to just stay home? Um Actually, I've seen a variety. The stay home has probably been the most prevalent. Um, Parents took their children out of child care and one decided to stay home. Mm. Um, Or had to. Or had to. Right. Especially not only in a child care setting, but with all of the schools online. So many parents are needing to homeschool Mm -hmm. in addition to what their child school is offering. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, for many, it was not a choice necessarily. It was a necessity. And so that's a a really common uh, reason that employees are not coming back. Um, Or there's a fear factor as well. Maybe it is Mm a a setting where that employee is is afraid that they will catch COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of these moms who are are, um, staying home and having to homeschool their kids because they can't go to school, uh, especially if they are in a leadership role with a company, the companies that are saying goodbye to these talented, you know, executive women are really hurting. I've been reading a lot about that. And, and you're right, you know, replacing those people is it's time consuming, it's expensive. Um, it's a crapshoot. You don't mm-hmm. ever know if you're really going to get someone who's a good fit. And uh, that is something that a lot of my clients are struggling with, not just losing those, those female executives and leaders, um, but just employees in general and um, looking for the right fit. Because not every company, let's face it, not every business is really struggling right now. There's a lot of businesses that are having a great year, depending on their industry. Sure. Um, and they're dealing with their own set of, of issues because they want to continue to grow, but they might be growing faster than what they can handle. Right. So they, they've outgrown their capacity, mm-hmm. and now is a really difficult time to try to hire, especially if you're trying to interview via Zoom mm-hmm. and try to onboard somebody virtually versus, you know, having them right there to show them how to do the job and, and the expectations. Mm-hmm. 
the other thing that is really um, disturbing is that so many times it is the women that are stepping out of these yes. leadership roles and we're losing a great deal. You know, it's a brain drain. Yes. Yes. Big time. Well, we just have to hope that that vaccine comes soon and that we can all try to get back to normal in the next several months, right? Keeping yes. my fingers crossed. How about you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's getting talked about more and more at the University of St. Thomas, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we're, we're not around the corner, but we're getting there. Well, your work is so important. You know, I've... I've been a champion of small business my whole life. I've been a business owner my whole life, but I came from it, you know? I think you might remember, because we've talked about this before, my my family, my parents on both sides, and then their parents were all business owners. So it kind of is in my blood, which also um, makes me feel like... Um, it, it's it's something that I, I champion towards. Like I said, I, I feel like I, I want to help, I want to make an impact, and I see the work that you do, and uh, I just admire it. So I appreciate everything that you're doing for the Small Business Development Center because you could be doing so many other things, right? You're, you've been a successful entrepreneur. You could go back into that world, but you, know, you stay with SBDC and, and you take a stand for these folks and believe in them and help them and teach them so that they can succeed. I just think it's um, it's awesome. You know, it is one of the greatest jobs, I think. I'm really honored and fortunate to be able to go to work every day or go to my, um, <laughs> my at-home work every yeah, day right. and work with these businesses because mm-hmm. they are so inspiring. They mm-hmm. really are. And and there's a whole new generation coming through that are entrepreneurial as well. Yes. I just judged the University of St. Thomas's Fowler Ideation Concept Challenge, and these students had some of the most outstanding ideas mm. that will someday be commercialized. I know that they will do it. Wow, so exciting. That th- Those kinds of things are just so exciting. I, I like to do the, the, the DECA contest, which is with high school students. It's amazing. Like you said, what these young people come up with, you just go, wow, you know, gives you hope for the future. Right. They're so <laughs> good at identifying problems in the market and solving them. Yes. yes. And, and that's fun to see. For sure. Well, thanks again for your work. And I'm so glad that you could be on the show, Diane. We're at a point now where I like to ask my guests for sharing a couple of takeaways, a couple action items for our listeners. Well, for the entrepreneurial, uh, keep keep thinking, keep looking at uh, solutions that you can provide a market. Identify these problems um, and and create these solutions. For those businesses that have been impacted by COVID, you know, my heart goes out to you. Hang in there. Mm-hmm. I believe there's more funding coming mm-hmm. uh, to get you through these tough times. And for those of you who want to start a business because it's a way of creating job security, go for it. It's it's daunting, and it's not for the faint of heart, but mm-hmm. it is also so rewarding to create that legacy, that business. Mm-hmm. It is for sure. And they have you, right, to contact Absolutely. so that they can get, yep, go through the classwork and, and get set up properly um, so that they can succeed. And so, with that, I'd like to have you just share what's the best way for people to contact you, Diane? 
So they can contact us via the University of St. Thomas's website under Institutes and Centers. Okay. And it's a drop-down, and you will find the Small Business Development Center, and you can contact us there. Um, and that also has a link to our registration. And once I get your registration, we contact you as soon as possible to set up an appointment with one of our staff consultants. Excellent. Again, um, appreciate you being on the show and sharing your wisdom. And um, we'll have to do this again. You always have so much to share and lots of stories, I'm sure. So don't forget about that book. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate the shares and the reviews and the subscriptions to the show. Um, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your your podcast shows. We really do appreciate the support, and we appreciate the listeners. So please uh, join us again next time, and we'll see you soon.